Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Words to Live By series, which is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I'll tell you today, right when Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount, he starts with a subject that is very contradictory to popular belief. It's the subject of happiness. Think about it today. Every single person that you know, every single one of them, every single person in here, we all would have a common desire. And that common desire is to have happiness, to have joy. As a matter of fact, I mean, some of the founding teachings of our country were about life and the pursuit of happiness. Everybody wants happiness. I mean, I meet people all of the time, and I'm constantly reminded of people's desire for real happiness and, and true joy. And isn't it obvious that people look for happy, happiness or look for real joy in a lot of different places? Some people, they search for joy and happiness with their career. Others, they do it maybe uh, with their identity and their family. Or some, it's through a sport or a, a hobby. Some, they try to find happiness in their religion or some sort of religious activity. And, and others, uh, unfortunately, try to find happiness in some sort of a vice or a substance. I mean, the fact of the matter is we all know people who are searching for happiness. Man, just searching to find something that would complete them and fulfill them and give them complete, true joy in the midst of whatever is going on. I want to have joy and happiness. This morning, we're going to take a few minutes and discover from the Lord what he says about where true happiness, true joy comes from. It's found in our passage here in Matthew chapter number five. And so if you would, would you stand with me just for a moment as we read the word of God and Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Matthew 5, verse number 1, it says this, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples, they came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. 
These words that Jesus spake on this day, this is the opening uh, um, teaching, the opening, I guess, introduction, if you would, the opening thoughts of Jesus' message there, the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is the longest recorded message that we have uh, along with John uh, 15, 16, and 17. But when you look at this, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus started the entire thing with one word. The word was blessed. Blessed. We're going to find out the definition of that word this morning and how it applies to us and how we can learn this simple truth. If you want to be a person who has joy and real happiness in the midst of everything going on, here's the simple thought. If you miss everything, catch this one statement. If you want joy and real happiness, stay close to God. If you want joy and happiness, just stay close to God. We're going to learn some thoughts about this this morning. So let's pray and ask him to bless our time. God, again, thank you for the word of God. And Lord, we come to you in prayer multiple times today because we recognize that we need you. Lord, we are desperate for you to meet and for you to speak. We are desperate for you to minister into our lives. Lord, I know that I could get up and I could say some thoughts. And Father, I could uh, maybe convince a few of uh, their need of something But God, today, you can speak to every single one of us, and you can convince us of our need of you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do the work. Lord, I humble myself before you and submit my mind, heart, and actions and words to you, and I pray that you'd speak. I do ask today, Lord, that if there's someone that's here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day that they put their faith and their trust in you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come here again, Jesus starts with that one word, blessed. The word blessed, it would come from a Latin word, which is beatus, or we would get the word beatitudes. And so this passage is known as the Sermon on the Mount, but the first part of it is known as the beatitudes given during the Sermon on the Mount. But the word beatitude, the word beatus, the word blessed here, it literally means divine joy and perfect or real happiness. That's what the word means. It doesn't mean uh, blessing like we would say, oh, we'll bless them or something like that. No, he's saying, hey, divine joy and real happiness belongs to, and then he gives us a list of people. Now, I love the fact that I love studying the word of God. I love spending time in it. I love, I love preaching it, but I really love understanding the context of it because context matters. It matters completely. Did you know you can make the Bible say anything you want it to out of context? I mean, you could make it do anything. Really, uh, you could make it support some way out there uh, uh, viewpoint. You could make it support something uh, super, super right or super, super left. I mean, you can make the Bible say anything. But when you read it in context, that's when it really makes sense and comes true, and that's when you can understand what it's teaching. So we need to understand a few things about context. Jesus has just begun his earthly ministry. Again, he's just called these followers to him. But I want us to know a little bit about cultural context because that matters as well. The cultural context of that time. The word blessed or beatus, when Jesus would speak that word and the Greek alternative that he would use, the word that Jesus would speak would really carry a lot of weight with those who heard it. 
You see, in that day, it was the general opinion of society that divine joy and perfect or real happiness, it only belonged to people who were rich or who were great. We can see that uh, mindset in even a lot of, maybe if you watch movies that, that date back, you know, historic movies or something like that, you can see that mindset and the thinking even in an underlying narrative of a movie. Or you can even go and read something like Shakespeare, which take years, thousands of years after this, and yet you still find uh, the peasants and the paupers and the rich and the royalty, and there's that big divide. And so understanding that context of culture at that time, really it's not as far as we think it is. From our, from our thinking, because Jesus is teaching, hey, if you want real joy and real happiness, it can belong to you. And here you have uh, everyday men, everyday women, and boys and girls going, whoa, wait, wait, what did he just say? I don't have a lot of money. I'm not a religious leader. I'm not a Pharisee or a Sadducee. I'm not a part of the Sanhedrin. I'm not Roman. I don't have slaves. I don't and they're, and they're trying to fill in. This does not compute with the teaching that we've been given. You see, it was totally contrary. People believed that happiness was very much unattainable unless you were very rich or very religious. And really, we can relate to this even in our culture today. We see people today who think that things will bring them happiness or status will bring them joy. There are those who believe if they could just, if I could just reach that job or that career, that's when my life will be complete. That's when I'll have happiness. For some, it's financial success or notoriety or, or fame of some sort. When I get well known, that's when I will be happy. For others, they think that maybe again, that religion or religious activity will bring happiness or joy in their life. And the sad thing is, we've all heard news reports of those who were quote-unquote elite, and yet we find them miserable. We find them at the top of what everybody would say, the top of life, and yet their life is empty, and there's a giant, giant void in the place where God should be. Well, what is that showing us? It's showing us the principles of God's word to be true. And so Jesus, on this day, he gets up and he says, blessedness, divine joy and happiness, it can belong to you. Well, who can, who can divine, divine joy and ha real happiness, who can it belong to? I see, first of all today, in the first few verses, that divine joy and happiness, it can belong to those who experience inward change. It can belong to those who experience inward change. Let me explain to you what I'm speaking about. The first three verses of the Beatitudes are definitely geared towards the heart of man. The first one is, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The phrase poor in spirit, it means humble. Blessed are the humble. Humility at times, it seems often like a fault, doesn't it? Some people, they would say, well, no, you don't want to be too humble because life is about you and you need to get yours and you need to make sure that you are accomplishing what you want to accomplish and make sure that, and it's all about you, 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 you. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who aren't at the forefront of their own thinking. Did you know selfishness, it's totally normal, isn't it? I mean, right now. Right now, it is taking place in this church. I mean, selfishness at its core. You say, Pastor, where? The nursery. 
Just go to the nursery. You know what you see in the nursery? You see selfishness at its core. Why? Because there's a toy. And that toy is sitting there. And one child will go over to that one toy. And that one child will pick up the one toy that nobody else was playing with. And that one child will begin playing with it. And a smile will come across that child's face. And that child will maybe chuckle. (laughs) And that little chuckle, there's little antennas that go up on the other children. And they're like, ding, 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 ding. What toy do they have? And what's that child going to walk right over and do? Walk right over to that other child who's minding their own business, playing with a toy, happy. But because the antennas went off, the other child comes over and goes, mine. And then the tug of war begins. No, mine. No, mine. No, mine. No. And it just goes back and forth. What is that? That's selfishness. That's pride. You know what? It's at the root of all of us, isn't it? But Jesus comes on the scene. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. A divine joy can belong to those who have humility in their life. Their life is not about themselves, but instead it's about those around them or about the kingdom. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble because theirs, their focus is the the kingdom of heaven. We'll see that again in just a moment. But you know, humility, humility is not, and I've said this before, it is not just thinking, uh, uh, of thinking less of oneself. Well, I'm worthless. Well, I'm horrible. Well, no, poor me, that attitude. That's not humility. Oftentimes, that's pride in disguise. Humility doesn't think less of oneself. Humility thinks of oneself less. It means I'm not always on the forefront of my thinking. Jesus comes and he says, Divine joy belongs to those who are humble. Notice he also says it belongs to those who are those that mourn. That's an interesting verse. I mean, really, that's completely contradictory to our thinking. Uh, mourning is described here. I mean, the, the mourning is, is more than just maybe crying about something. The word mourn, it means to express grief. It means the pain of mind produced by loss, misfortune, injury, or evils of any kind. It means to sorrow greatly. Well, that's kind of a, I don't know, opposing statement. Divine joy belongs to those who sorrow greatly. That's different. It's a different thought. But when you look at what it means to mourn, it means that I'm understanding and uh, that grief and sorrow is part of life. To mourn here, it could be to mourn and grieve over the things that causes God to grieve, and we could preach a whole message on that. But blessed are they that mourn. Why are they blessed? Notice the end of the verse. They shall be comforted. The for is the word because. Blessed are they that sorrow. Why? Because they're going to be comforted. Joy comes through the comfort. That's something that takes place on the inside. This is challenging to us uh, uh, regarding grieving or going through life sorrow, but we find joy in the comfort. Notice verse number five where Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. The word meek, it means mild of temper, soft, or we would use the word to be gentle. To be gentle. 
Christ is saying that divine joy belongs to those who are gentle in spirit. Those who may have the the power to assert themselves, but instead they temper that power. Gentleness or meekness, it's the opposite of self-assertiveness or self-interest, but it only stems from trusting in a God that's good. Understanding that it's God who, who takes matters in his hand. A meek person, they know how to control their spirit and bring forth right words at the right time. And it says that they shall inherit the earth. This phrase, inherit the earth, it literally means to reign over ourselves and our circumstances because of the power of God. A meek person goes through life able to control themselves. It really goes along with temperance that you see in Galatians chapter number five. But a meek person says, I don't always have to be right in front. It goes hand in hand with humility. And let me bring something out with these thoughts and and the point I want to make. Humility, a sorrowed heart that, that is comforted by God, and gentleness that pours out of the spirit, those are only things that can happen within a person. But can I tell you this morning that that is only something that God can bring within a person. Real humility, godly sorrow that finds comfort from God, and a gentle spirit that says, I trust God in every circumstance, that only comes when a person has Jesus Christ living in their life. That's what I mean by experience and inward change. All of these things are very much in opposition to how you and I think and how you and I feel. And yet, when we yield to God, God says, okay, now I can bring about humility. I can bring about sorrow and comfort. And I can bring about that gentle spirit that works within. Uh, Experiencing an inward change. These are not things that can be uh, continually manufactured. They actually come with knowing Jesus Christ. You see, it's not in our nature to be humble or to grieve over that which causes God to grieve and be comforted by him or to be gentle and kind, but these things, they become a part of us when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. And all of these things can take place because of an inward change. You say, Pastor Dennis, I've never experienced an inward change. Can I tell you, an inward change doesn't happen because of you or because of me. An inward change happens because of Jesus Christ. All we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in him, and then he moves into a life. I said it to a man many years ago. I said this phrase, God never says, change, and then I'll accept you. God says, accept me, and then I will change you. You see, it's a change that God makes on the inside. Divine joy, divine happiness, true peace, or or true joy and happiness, it belongs to those who experience an inward change. But notice, secondly, with me today, it belongs to those who demonstrate an upward desire. Divine joy, real happiness, it belongs to those who demonstrate an upward desire. Notice verse number six, where Jesus said this, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Can I just say today, if you don't walk away again with anything, catch this thought, that divine joy and real happiness, it comes to those who are seeking after and knowing, seeking after knowing God. It belongs to those who seek after his righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
everyone in here, Brian talked about it a second, which Brian, I have a question. You talked about hungering and all of that, and you said, we love food, and you looked right at me. Was there, we were just connecting? Okay, we love food. All right, I'm good with that. I just wondered if you were calling me fat, so I just, you know... That's all that came to my mind. You know what? Every one of us, we know what Brian was talking about a little bit ago with hungering and thirsting. Uh, You women in here that have ever been expecting, you've had your cravings. I've heard of some of the weirdest cravings of ladies when they're expecting. Uh, There was one I heard about one time when they were expecting she craved dust. Yeah, exactly. Crave dust. There's somebody else that I knew uh, when they were uh, expecting, uh, they craved the um, freezer frost. Uh, you know, I just, what I want to say to those of you, if that was you, is uh, I offer counseling. <laughs> My mom, when she was expecting, she craved Wendy's Frosties. And she'll tell you stories of, uh, you know, it'd be late in the night. And she'd be like, Denny, you need to go get me a Frosty, you know. Uh, I'm thankful Hannah didn't have a lot of cravings. There was one time, uh, one time, I think it was like 10 p.m. And she said, you know, I could really use a cheeseburger right now. And I was like, counts for me. Let's go, you know. And uh, I just wanted to find an excuse for her to have a craving. Uh, I'm not expecting. I know you thought I was, but I'm not. uh, And yet I always crave chocolate peanut butter ice cream. I could eat chocolate peanut butter ice cream all the time. Uh, those of you that wake up early in the morning, you know what you need? You need your coffee. And maybe you're the person that it's like, you know, uh, your brain doesn't really activate until you get that coffee. What is that? That's a craving within the body. But every single one of us would know, we would know about craving food or craving water, especially if you're a teenager. My, our teens, they all, Dennis is always like, dad, I'm so hungry. Dad, I'm so hungry. I'm like, dude, we just ate. He's like, I know, but I'm hungry again. I'm like, I don't care. Start sucking on your thumb because it's I don't have any more food to give you, you know? Every one of us, we know what it's like to be hungry. We know what it's like to be thirsty. If you've ever played a sport or you've ever been involved in that, man, you know that, man, I just, I need some water right now. Here's what Jesus is saying, what we sang about earlier. Blessed are, hey, divine joy, it belongs to those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the righteousness it speaks of here is not just, I hunger and thirst after being right. No, it's I hunger and thirst after his righteousness. I want more of God in my life. Later, Jesus would say it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Notice the verse where he says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He's talking about the needs of life and here's what he says. Hey, just put me first. Seek me above all things and I will work in your life. Jesus would later say it this way in Matthew chapter number 11, one of my favorite portions to speak on. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. The phrase, the, the, the wording there, Jesus is simply saying, hey, listen, desire me in your life, and I promise I'll give you rest, true peace within your life. And no wonder we could say that divine joy and perfect happiness belong to those who have an upward desire. A focus that says, God, I just want you in my life. In the Sermon on the Mount, a little bit later, Jesus would say it this way, ask and it shall be given you. 
Seek and ye shall find. Can I tell you today, contrary to mainstream teaching, God is not hiding from you. God is not avoiding you. He, he actually hides in plain sight. He says, seek me and you'll find me. Pursue me and you'll find peace and joy within me. I come to this passage this morning and I see Jesus giving this teaching divine joy and perfect happiness. It can be yours. How can it be mine? Well, number one, you have to experience an inward change. Number two, there needs to be a, a demonstration of an upward desire. And number three, there has to be an attempt at an outward love. Attempt at an outward love. Notice what Jesus says in verse number seven. He says, blessed divine joy or perfect happiness, it belongs to the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Now that one, mercy, showing mercy to people, especially if you have siblings, is unheard of. Because the thought is, if I'm done wrong, I will do wrong against you. Right? With me and my sisters growing up, it was, if you mistreat me, I will mistreat you. I have a saying with our kids, and maybe it's not biblical now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but I say it whenever we, you know, we're joking around and they do something. I tell them, listen, I don't get even. I don't get ahead. I make you regret your decision. <laughs> and I learned that because I grew up with my sisters. And they'd pick on me relentlessly all of the time. And so I had to learn defending my... Listen, showing mercy, it's not all of the time, the first thing we think of. When we're done wrong, it's how can I get even? When someone's mistreated us, it's how can I mistreat them? When someone has perhaps spoken against us, it's how can I uh, speak against them? How can I tear them down? They've torn me down. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, divine joy and perfect happiness belong to those who show mercy. When Jesus taught this, we need to know that Jesus, he wasn't just teaching this, he actually lived it, didn't he? As a matter of fact, the word of God says one of the, way, one of the reasons that we can show kindness is because, Ephesians 4.32, it says, and be ye kind one to another, why ye can show mercy, it says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you want to know why you and I can show mercy to other people? It's because he's shown us mercy. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This pure in heart, it has to do with your heart and how it is with God and with others. Pure in heart is being right with God and being right with people. It's not having sin in our life against God, but also not having sin in our life against people. But I believe this can also, purity in heart, it can look to our motivations, having right motives for following God, having right motives in my approach towards people. You see, because if I'm always going around showing people mercy, hoping just that they'll be merciful to me, if the golden rule is the only reason I'm kind to people, then there's a wrong motive. Right? Treat others how you want to be treated. If I'm only going around and treating other people kind so that they'll be kind to me and it's reciprocal, then the motive is off. Here's what Jesus comes on the scene saying. Hey, have purity in your heart. 
be right with God and have right motives with others. The reason for why you do what you do, let it be correct. Let it be right. A pure heart is in opposition to a mixed heart. It is in opposition to a polluted heart. What is a polluted heart? A polluted heart is mixed in motivation and it's also tainted with sin. But a, a pure heart, it's, its motive is always going to be, and we see this in so many other places in scripture, the motive is always going to be love. A pure heart says, I'm doing this because I love God and I love people. Divine joy and real happiness, it belongs to those who are pure in heart. It belongs to those who are peacemakers. What's the word peacemaker? The word peacemaker, it literally means to bring reconciliation to those around us. One person once said that peace is that time between when you put the kids to bed and you go to bed. (laughs) Now that we have three new kids living in our home, so we have six now in the house, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It is always noisy. The other day, uh, Hannah and I were doing something, and um, I think we had, we had just been at the house for a little bit. It was just me and her. The other kids were with Nana and Papa or something, and we, we like sat down to eat lunch together. That's what it was. We sat down to eat lunch together, and I was like, I can hear myself chew. <laughs> like, this isn't, and I remember we both just kind of looked, and she was like, quiet, right? Peace is not just the absence of noise. Did you know peace, this world... This world is definitely wanting peace, right? And so peace, they think, is the absence of conflict, the absence of war. But can I say that peace, real peace, is more than just no conflict. It's more than just no noise. It is conflict resolved. It is the reconciliation between those who have a difference. Uh, It is the restoration in a right relationship. If you and your spouse have a disagreement, there is not peace simply because you choose not to talk to each other. That's just a truce. Peace is when you resolve or reconcile the matter. And so what is the meaning of this? The blessed are the peacemakers. It's blessed are those who bring reconciliation to the lives of those around them. This is not only not causing strife, but it's encouraging right relationships with people around us. And God, he gives joy to those who take a stand for reconciliation, bringing people into a right relationship. Paul wrote it this way in the book of Romans, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Be a reconciler with all men. I can say this can happen in so many ways in our lives, but a lot of people, they'll say, well... That's just, who, that's just not who I am. I'm a fighter. Can I say, of course it's not you. Jesus is telling us to change who we are, to allow him to change who we are. And so what does he say? He says divine joy and perfect happiness belong to those who bring peace, reconciliation to the lives of those around them. I believe this can be applied in a couple of ways. Number one, I think it can be applied to us in talking to other people about Jesus Christ. We're bringing peace to other people, their relationship with God, helping people understand that Jesus loves you, gave his life for you, and there can be reconciliation between you and God. But I also think that for a Christian, it goes a little step further. Because being a peacemaker, being a peacemaker says, I don't want contention with me and others, and I don't want contention around 
around me. It's not saying, well, I'll just leave the room while you two argue. (laughs) It's not just saying that. No, it says, listen, I want to help restore. I want to help bring reconciliation. Did you know God is always for reconciliation? He's always for reconciliation. So no wonder he would say divine joy and perfect happiness belongs to those who are involved in reconciliation. Blessed are the peacemakers. But all of these thoughts, showing mercy, having right motivations, and being a peacemaker, those things represent our approach to those around us. And so divine joy and real happiness, it belongs to those who are not always set upon coming out on top. Instead, they look outward. This is a mindset that says, I'm not consumed with me, I'm going to invest in others. So in this passage this morning, I see Jesus coming on the scene and saying, hey, divine joy, it can be yours if you've experienced an inward change. You see, because humility and mourning and, and being gentle in spirit, that's only something God can do. Divine joy and, and real happiness, it can only belong to those who have, have a, a, an, an upward focus. God, I, I just want to see you. God, I hunger and thirst after righteousness. And then it belongs to those who have an outward investment. But then thirdly today, it belongs to those who live with an eternal focus. Live with an eternal focus. Notice verses 10 through 12 and we're done. Where Jesus says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and uh, say, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Verse 11 and 12, these two verses are really built upon verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. But I want you to notice with me the last part of verse number 10 when it says this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We already heard that once in this Beatitudes, didn't we? It was right at the very beginning. You see, Jesus began with this focus and he ends with this focus in this segment. Verse 1, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is that saying? It's simply bringing out this truth. Divine joy and perfect happiness, it belongs to those who live with an eternal focus. Their focus is on the kingdom of heaven. Why are people allowing persecution to take place in their life? For righteousness' sake, for his sake. You see, back in those days and even now, we can see this taking place in places like North Korea or in uh, other places within the Middle East where Christians are literally laying down their lives and being persecuted simply for calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. And we would ask them, why would you allow somebody to do that? Why not just recount your, recant your faith instead of being, being burned at the, at the stake? Why not just recant your faith instead of going to prison? Why don't you just turn your back? And they would say, because... My focus is on heaven because I'm not suffering for my sake. I'm suffering for his sake. That's what Jesus said. Blessed are they which suffer persecution and face that persecution for righteousness' sake. 
then verse number 11, he says, they're doing it for my sake. It's for the Lord. You know what this is? This is living with an eternal focus. This is saying life is more than just me. Divine joy and real happiness, it belongs to those who go through this life with an eternal focus, keeping our eyes set toward heaven. And my mind, uh, with the mindset, I want to steward this life for Christ. Can I tell you that suffering will come in the form of persecution, and it could happen in the United States of America. We talked about that on Thursday, that if you'd have told me a year ago people will be arrested for singing hymns and not wearing a mask while they're singing hymns, I would have told you you're crazy. And yet, Wednesday night, that took place in Idaho. Ah, that's, that's crazy. We're in the United States. We still have, I don't know, what's called like the Constitution. And yet we're seeing that take place. So persecution could, should come. But you know what? Jesus said, he said, hey, if you're being persecuted for my sake, it's going to bring divine joy into your life. Why? Because there's an eternal focus. Because it's not about, well, I just want to take my stand. No, it's, listen, I'm just following him. I'm standing up for Jesus. As we look at these thoughts this morning, really, we could summarize the thoughts by saying these phrases. Divine joy and real happiness, it belongs to those who are allowing God to work within them. Because as God works within them, God can work through them. The life that he does on the inside translates into our life on the outside. But really, in one sentence, we could summarize it how I said it a little bit ago. Divine joy and real happiness, it belongs to those, should say, who are close to God. I apologize. Divine joy and perfect happiness, real happiness, it belongs to those who are close to God. God, who stay close to God. You know what? I know a lot of people that look for joy in all the wrong places. And can I say this morning that you and I have been guilty of the same? We've been guilty of trying to find joy in our identity, trying to find joy in our job, trying to find joy in an expertise that we're good at, trying to find joy in notoriety or some sort of popularity or trying to find joy within our family. And none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But when we're trying to find joy in anything outside of Jesus Christ, outside of our relationship with God, you'll never find it. Micah Bosworth, who's getting ready to start that church, he said it this way one time. He said he was going to a donut shop and many of you have heard the illustration. He's going to a donut shop, and they made donuts and donut holes. And he said he watched as the belt went through, and those whole donuts came out, and then it would puncture, a, puncture the hole right in the middle for the donut holes and the hole of the donut. And he said when they all came out, you could try to make one of those little donut holes fit inside of one of the holes of the donuts, but the truth is that only one would fit perfect because that was created that way. Can I say this morning that you have a hole within your heart and there's only one that can fit in there perfectly to make joy, peace, and real happiness present. And his name is Jesus Christ.
So I end today with two thoughts, two questions. The first is this. Do you know that you have Jesus Christ in your life? Have you put your faith and your trust in him? Do you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Because the fact of the matter is, every one of us will spend eternity somewhere. And Jesus Christ said, I came to this earth so that you could have forgiveness and so that you could have eternity with me. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ into your life, I want to tell you this morning, the decision you need to make is, I'm going to ask Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin, come into my life and save me. Church can't save you. Religion can't save you. Baptism can't save you. Being a good person can't save you. Nothing you and I do saves us. The only thing that we can have to get into heaven is the forgiveness of God offered through the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can have restoration with God. And so this morning, if you're here and you've never received Christ into your life, today that needs to be the decision you make. But this morning, if you're here and you have made that decision, I want to say it this way. This week, you're going to choose who's the king of your heart. This week, you're going to choose who sits on the throne of your life. And if you want real joy and real happiness, choose him. Experience an inward change. Demonstrate that upward desire. God, I just want you in my life. Live with an outward investment in people. But make sure you're going through every day with that eternal focus. All of it is simply this thought. Stay close to him. Keep him on your heart this week. Keep him on the throne of your life this week. And what will you have? Divine joy and real happiness. It's not my words. It's his. You can have it. You can be fulfilled if, if you'll stay close to him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.